All right, welcome to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 360. We are not on Sportsnet 590, the fan, because uh, it is the 11th annual Leafs Excuse Tour starting. How many people, when they just heard you say that, gave you the old number one sign? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know it's locker clean-out day, baby. Locker clean-out day, otherwise known as... Walk of shame. Oh, Jesus. Ah, they played hard. They did. They played hard. Gosh darn it. Yeah. I, of course, was boldly predicting that the Lightning would uh, win that series. No, I wasn't. I th- honest to God, I thought the I thought the Lofies would would uh, I thought the Loafs would win. I thought they'd win one series and 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 then crap their pants in the second series. So. I don't really think they did that, did they? I, don't, I mean, I don't know nah. a ton about hockey, but when I was watching, it looked like they were the better team. Yeah, Tampa Bay's really good. And Tampa Bay's been there. Like, you just watched. Tampa Bay's, you think of everything that a team that has won back-to-back championships has gone through in the last couple of years with COVID and all this crap mm-hmm. and the schedule being screwed up. And Yeah, I mean, I... I they know how to overcome things, See, is I'm, what you're saying. I'm lucky because I've never been a Leafs fan. I never hated them, but I mean, I was, you know, Winnipeg Jets fan, and I also like the Blackhawks and all that. And I just, I just didn't give a rat's ass about the Leafs, to be honest. The Leafs, to me, might as well have been Buffalo Sabres. I just didn't care. So I, I don't have all the, like, all the emotional baggage. I enjoyed watching them. They, uh, I mean, we'll talk baseball in a minute. I'll, I'll tell you quite simply, they do need to get rid of John Tavares. I, I have, For the life of me, I understand why the Leafs signed John Tavares. I understand the thought process. You want to send a message to everybody, Toronto's open for business. Guys can come back home. People need to remember when John Tavares was signed, there was this whole narrative that uh, you weren't going to be able to, um, uh, you know, that guys from Toronto didn't want to play here, et cetera, et cetera. So that's fine. So they brought John Tavares, and then they spent, all I've heard for the next four years is, well, we need to add leadership. We need to add leadership. You're giving a guy 11 million bucks to be your freaking captain. You brought him in here to provide leadership. So anyhow, that to me, he's the biggest disappointment. The rest of them are fine. Anyhow, let's leave it at that. The Jays, the Jays, Kevin Barker. They won. My Jays. Your Jays, Kevin Barker. They won 6-2, a a, a 4-1. Oodles of offense. Yeah. Maybe more offense than we've seen out of this team in a year. Runners in scoring position stat went up a whole four points. What are they at now? Do they hit the 190 mark? I think it's 189 and, and, a, and a dot. Boffo, you did the math, right? Is it are, is it like 189 more than five so we can take it to 190 or what? 189.9, so there you go. Oh, yeah, so 190. 190. Well, what are they, 49 for 258, so that's... That's better than 48. Better for than 184. Uh, there is a ton to talk about out of last night's game, and we will get to that. Uh, we've also got tickets to give away to see the Jays and the Reds. Uh, we'll be joined by Mike Blowers, Mariners TV analyst, and Bill Ripken, which is always a lot of fun, MLB network Ooh, analyst. He'll be, along, he'll be along at 1030. All right, let's, uh, let's deal with the, new, with, with the newsy stuff and with the game. First of all, Tim Mesa uh, was on, put on the IL with, a four, with forearm inflammation. He is going to undergo all sorts of MRIs, et cetera, et cetera. Pronating. So, that pronating that sinker can't be 
no. easy on the arm. We should know more about that later today. Fingers you know, crossed for him. Finger, fingers he's a crossed. Good, he's a good kid. He's he yeah. tries hard. He's he's a good dude. I mean, everybody's a good dude, but he is a well, good not dude. Really. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. I take that's, that back. That's a lie. That's true. That is a lie. <laughs> um, but uh, everybody says everybody's a good dude. Uh, he's he, he's come a long distance in his career, and you really, really, really hope this is just a blip and it's something that maybe he can maybe can be fixed with rest. He came a long way from spring training. I told you when I saw him down there, he was throwing ninety. Yeah, and then he's. Where he was when he when he got hurt and went on the IL at ninety four ninety five. Makes you wonder. Yeah, how's but, how's he doing it? Yeah, uh, Jordan Romano, man, oh man, you want to talk about uh, you want to talk about alarm bells? Uh, Hazel May in the first inning last night sent out a tweet that uh, Jordan Romano wasn't available because he'd gone. Well, she didn't say because we didn't know at the time he'd gone to hospital, but Jordan Romano wasn't available and he was being evaluated by Jay's medical staff. And of course, given the fact that. There's been some chatter out there about Jordan Romano's lack of effectiveness, lack of efficiency. Velocities up and down. Velocities up and down. You know, you're sitting there thinking, of, of course, there's going to be another injury. Well, it turns out that it was a non-COVID illness. And uh, Jordan Romano was, in fact, in uniform. He was in the bullpen. He wasn't throwing. He was shadow tossing or dry throwing, whatever you want to do uh, for about two minutes. The bullpen is right below the uh, press box in left field. You could see him, but he was in uniform and he seemed fine. You would think if you're hurt, you don't do that. Yeah, no, yeah, and he was holding the ball and stretching. And, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, he looked like, you know, I mean, Charlie managed the game as if he was not going to be available. Uh, but, you know, I hadn't seen him after the Charlie's game. Charlie's over there going, please. But he certainly runs. looked fine. Score more runs. So anyhow, so that's the update. As far as Tim Meza goes, uh, Andrew Vasquez was brought up, but maybe one of the one of the best things out of yesterday's game. And yes, we will get to Bichette and we will get to Kikuchi, who was just brilliant yesterday. You know, Ryan Barucki. For now, at least, the, the Jays are going to have to make a bullpen move, of, I think, of some significance at some point. They're just, they're, the bullpen's wearing down. Uh, a move will need to be made. But if Ryan Barucki can come in and handle lefties and righties, and effectively, I'm not saying necessarily re- replace Tim Meza, but if he can, Kevin, establish himself and put himself in a position to perhaps replace Tim Meza in a week or two if Meza's out, uh, look, we know we look at that velo plays in, in, in the majors. It, it, it yesterday does. was odd though because his velo looked okay, but Kevin he was slider, 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 slider. Yesterday, a lot of that depends on who who they're facing, how he felt with that pitch in the bullpen. Yeah. They'll they'll feel that out a little bit. He'll shake to that a lot, which tells you that he was feeling some confidence in it. He felt confident enough to throw it for strikes. That's the big thing yep. when Barucky's throwing strikes. He will be okay. Is he okay enough to throw in the eighth and ninth inning? Not for yeah, me. Yeah, I don't know. Not for I me. So that, that's, know you know, that. comparing him to Tim Meza. I'm not real sure. No, but, that, I'm, that, saying, no, but I'm saying he may have to be. He, I mean, he. I, 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 it, there's no other left-handed. Uh, they're going to they're gonna go to the David Phelps and the and the Adam Simbers and the Trevor Richards and the Jimmy Garcia in the in the eighth and ninth inning when it's the highest of leverages, I would think, yeah. wow. until they actually see him doing it. You know, he's got to prove himself. Like, it's. He's had a lot of ups and downs when it comes to injuries and just underperforming, which is a bigger thing. It's about winning now. It's not about trying to figure out if this guy can do it or not. And I, you know, it's I, they're gonna they're gonna massage their way. I would assume. I haven't had any conversations with people that matter the most there about that, but I would assume 
that as much as these games matter in the way the offense has looked, that they're going to go with what they know. And right now, do you really know Ryan Barucki's that good? I like his velocity, too. I like he's moved on the rubber. I like these simplified his mechanics. I like he's not tipping pitches anymore. I like that it's two pitches and an occasional changeup that he'll like to throw to a right-handed batter. But for me, it's about the quality of the strikes. Can, can he throw enough strikes, fill up the strike zone enough to get, them, get swinging, to get them swinging at the slider? He'll get a ch- <clears throat> if Mays is out. He'll get a chance. I'm, I'm not saying he well, can do it. Well, process of elimination would tell you that. Yeah, he, he will yeah. get a chance. Uh, Bo Bichette, Matt Chapman, both had home runs yesterday. Roof was open. I don't know if it had anything to do with it. Ball was flying. I, I Matt Chapman I hit a ball in batting practice, I told you, that hit the scoreboard to the left of the main scoreboard, hit it, and dropped, like on a line. Stopped batting practice. Everybody went, oh. Well, we do know for a fact that they're using last year's baseballs in batting practice. So, uh, you know, don't get too excited. And I know you like to say the roof's open. And I like to say they got better pitches to hit. And when you get better pitches to hit and you're a good hitter. Now, I'm not saying Matt Chapman's a good hitter when it comes to totality of what he can do, average and two strikes and all those things. But he's got some power. When he gets a good pitch, he, you know, is a little bit more direct to the ball and stops dropping the backside. Excuse me. Now, there is one thing that he doesn't have for me that I've noticed. doesn't have a real trigger. Most good hitters We're have not a trigger. In the radio, so you can go a trigger, ahead and A trigger is bat. something. Something that you're doing to, to get it started that's not stale. Like, he is sometimes occasionally statuesque. Like, you'll get there, and it's, I'm waiting on you. Now, he'll have a little right. wiggle of the barrel, but it's not a ton. And, and that, for me, is why you, you see a lot of pop, pop-ups is because he doesn't have a trigger, and the backside drops. And when the backside drops, occasionally you'll get very armsy, not handsy, armsy where your arms are extended a little too far because your, your hands are coming with your lower half. And when that – we see Vladdy. Vladdy's an example. You see him do his little uh, – he'll take a pitch and then he'll step out and he'll do the separation thing. He's, he doesn't even have the real bat – sort of have his bat in one hand. He'll do that separation where he actually wants to feel it. Like he wants to feel – it's like a good boxer. Boxer don't punch like this. Like they actually have a trigger or they have a – where they're, it's happening from the ground up. It's actually like a tree trunk. Like everything is better when the ground up is working. Your feet are working. Your knees will work. Your waist will work. Everything works in unison that way, but you have to have that little separation. And sometimes Matt, for me anyway, doesn't really have that. That's why he, you know, has a lot of pop-ups. But staying in the big part of the field, you can tell – I took a lot of batting practice at the Rogers Center. I didn't mm-hmm. play a ton, but I took a lot of batting practice. When you can go to center in that place, for whatever reason, the wind sort of has a cross effect at that place. It's either you're going to right center, you go to left center, or the right field line or left field line. A lot of humans can't go there. Mm-hmm. And when you see them going in the flight deck, and like you mentioned, batting practice to that right center, too, that'll yeah. tell you he's if he could get a better pitch to hit. It's simple. Like most of these established guys who know their mechanics well enough, it's as simple as if I don't swing at that pitcher's pitch. If I, it's like the homer he hit. He he laid off the pitcher's pitch, got the one zero heater that was more a little elevated, thigh high, mm-hmm. and you see what he did. Like it's nice, fluid. He's not trying to overswing. He's not trying to generate power. It's just because I got my pitch, I can do damage and. And maximize what I'm trying to do to help the team win some baseball games games on the offensive side. So it was a it was a little bit of a step forward just as if I can just go to the plate and stop chasing. 
I'll have better at bats, and when I have better at bats, I'm going to hit the ball harder. Yeah, and the one thing we know about Matt Chapman too is he does. I mean, he will see a lot of pitches, so that should work. Should work hand in glove. Bo Bichette a home run, uh, two singles. The the really nice piece of hitting on the one single down the right field line. The home run was to left. Uh, single was to center. Made a couple of nice defensive plays. He made one that got Jimmy Garcia out of a jam to end the uh, was it the seventh inning. Yeah, it was. Ty France, well. Ty France, who just eats up the Jays, and the Jays... He's a good hitter. He's a good hitter. The Jays did a good job of them, but Bichette makes a play where, uh, and we talked about this, the, the umpiring crew was actually one man short yesterday. One of the umpires had an illness. So they had to, they're positioned differently, and, and on that that ground ball to Bichette, he almost runs into the um. No, nobody did anything wrong. The umpire is playing a different position. He's playing in a little bit. And Bo kind of double, almost drops and kind of double clutches, but still makes the throw. Yeah. Vladdy makes a hell of a play, but he came close to hitting the umpire. Yeah, for me, this this gets back to that. I, I know Bo has has worked on that running throw and coming through the baseball and continuing. You know, most of the time his momentum does not go towards his target. Which, man, yeah, I know that. I, I just sometimes we're, we'll we'll have uh, Billy on here, and I'm going to ask him about the running throws and and how hard that is, and what's the key to having success, because if you're going to do it, you have to do it all the time. Like, you have to be perfect almost with where everything's at and where you want to start your throw and all the things that go into that. So that, for me, is a little bit gets back to that internal clock. We, you know, you talk about that all yeah. the time. Louis Rivera talks about that all the time. And the clock they invented for Bo on the backfield yeah. to have that internal clock thing where, you know, you know who the runner is. And that's one of those situations where if he charges the baseball and catches it, and why wouldn't he just sort of set his feet, like stick them in the ground, set his feet, and throw a momentum throw towards his target? That, for me, is sort of one of those situations. Now, obviously, it worked out, and I'm, I'm playing you know, yeah, no, ar- armchair quarterback here, fair. but it's one of those things where you could take all the other X factors out, like the umpire, like the runner you know, that's sort of trying to dodge the baseball and, and make it a little harder for him to pick up the spin and, and actually have it look into his glove, like little things that he could do to actually make that play a little bit easier. He made the play, and that's all that matters. At the big league level, it really doesn't matter how it looks. I'm just saying consistently, I would love to see him run in, catch it, stop his momentum, and then have a momentum throw going towards his target. That'd be a little nicer, but... That's just me. I'm, I, I know Bo's a good player, and I like to see the ultimate Bo, and I think that would be the ultimate defensive Bo. Let's talk about, you say, Kikuchi. Uh, six innings, one hit, six strikeouts, three walks against his former team, the Mariners, uh, a team that didn't want him at the end of the year, a team that, I mean, we all know about the contractual situation. A couple of things, Kevin. First of all, you know that... There's a lot of, uh, they have a, the Mariners have a lot of intelligence on Kikuchi. We also know that he's a different pitcher now than he was when the Mariners saw him. Um, we've talked about Yusei Kikuchi and how it's important that we see every start, that we see him taking a step forward. That was a significant step last night because, the, and the other, the other factor, and, and again, I, I'm not going to turn this into a Danny Jansen loving, but it was the first time Danny Jansen worked with him. His pace was really good, too. Like, it was. Th- they had it. There was not a lot of shaking. They really they really had it going. Last you say night. he's one of those guys, for me anyway, that the, the times that I've watched him and now that I've watched him the last couple of starts, because I think that's where at least the, the conversations that I had with Pete, this is the way he wants him to look. 
Forget about the cutter. He wants confidence. He threw 90 pitches. Yeah. He threw 56 fastballs, 33 of those for strikes. 90, he's got, a nine, got it up to 97 miles an hour. Yeah, he's up, more pitching at 94, 95. So, you know, getting it up to 97 is, it's more that he can throw the 94, 95, 96 is where right. he's pitching by good fastball hitters. But that's the one thing you notice. If, you, if a guy's got a good hitter, he's got confidence in throwing it. And when in big moments, a guy that can hit a heater and fastball counts, here it is. I ain't messing around. My slider's okay. It yeah. ain't great. I don't throw enough of my split chains that you even got to worry about that. So it's a little of that mono e mono thing. I, I don't like you. I've sort of now like my best pitch, and I've got enough confidence in my mechanics that I can repeat it and throw it for more strikes. The one thing that I did notice yesterday, he faced 22 batters. He threw nine strike ones. That's not great. No. I'd love to see him pitching ahead a little bit more because that will make or allow him to throw the split change a little bit more. That'll allow him to get away with some bad sliders because now if I'm, you know, 1-0 instead of 0-1, now I can, I don't want to say cheat, but I can guess a little bit more along, give me a better chance to to get the head out, which is what what they have to do against his heater. It's sneaky. It's got some giddy up to it. The hitter will show you that. So, Pitching ahead's a little bit better. Uh, lefty's won five off of him. That's good. He gave mm-hmm. up that little double to to Winker, I think, down the right field line, which is yeah. not a big deal. So he took care of lefties. He threw his fastball a lot. <clears throat> he made some in-game adjustments quicker. You saw that. That's that's one thing I had issues with. That's one thing that you notice when when coaches, hitting coaches, mm-hmm. we see that on, on the offensive side with the Blue Jays, Pitching coaches give guys things to do. You can actually see them thinking about it on the mound or at the plate. Like, well, he told me this. I was working on this. Uh, They're not saying it, but you can actually hear them saying it to themselves, and it don't feel right. Well, why doesn't it feel right? And you could tell yesterday he would throw a pitch, and right away he knew what was wrong to not do it again, which is, man, if if they can continue to have him taking strides forward, because the slider's not even there yet. It's a decent pitch, not a great okay, pitch. But when he gets that, as long right now, there are. This was in some ways, even though this was this was his former team. This is a good matchup for him, in some ways, with what Should he give has. Him a lot of confidence, right? Because it is your former team, but you're a different guy, and yeah, you're absolutely right. That slider. There's no reason to think that that slider isn't going to be in another couple of starts. Isn't going to be really good or or even better. He threw 90 pitches. He only <laughs> threw seven change-ups yeah. yesterday. He had two strikeouts on the change-up, which you tell you. Well, okay, what I mean, if we, what if he starts commanding a little bit better? We've talked about that change-up, Kevin. And if he can throw a few more of those, not abuse it, throw no. a few more of those, how much better and how deeper in games can he go? But for me, he's trying to refine, and you can see it. Actually watch him trying to figure out how to do it. He's trying to refine – Arm side, glove side, fastball command. If he can do those two things, because that's basically two pitches for him, right? It's glove side for him, which is his right hand, obviously. That'd be away to lefties, into righties. And his arm side, which is away to righties, which is a big pitch. And the elevated heater. So that's more arm side, too. If he can control those two pitches, I... You think about how you how you would try and attack a certain guy with the with the velocity and the and the... the Confidence that he has in the fastball now. Uh oh. <laughs> no, it, oh, it, it's you're an opposing team. Uh oh. Yeah, I, you've got to give this guy uh, the same amount of credit we give we gave Ross Stripling for making the adjustment he did last year to do this on the fly to do it with a shortened spring. Uh, 
uh, you know, to 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 start it. I mean, look at the teams he was. Look at the teams he was facing. Two against the Astros. Two against the Yankees. And and basically here here here, dude, change everything you've done without, that's got you here. Without I said this to you off the air. W- you know, without Petey actually saying it, Pete Walker, the pitching coach. Yeah, he basically said. That's not going to work here. Yeah. You need to fix. Like he didn't. I'm sure he didn't say that because he's a great salesman, and he's not going to say and, it that way. I, He'll have certain ways to saying it, and and giving him video of you throw it here and this. I'm and just going to say this too. If, if but, they have figured him out, you got him for another couple of years. This is almost like you've figured out Robbie Ray, and you don't have to worry about the dude leaving as a free agent. Basically, it's, what 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 they were saying is they want him to be Robbie Ray with two pitches and can go yep. to a third pitch if, when he, has, when he to. has to. That's what he's doing. Yeah. No, it was really, uh, it was really, uh, it was really impressive. Jose Brios gets the uh, start tonight, by the way, for the uh, Jays against the Mariners. Um, something else I wanted to check in on. Oh, Ross Stripling uh, coming out of the bullpen last night. Uh, a play not made by. By uh, Santiago Espinal, rare play not. Yeah, made. and I say why. Uh, at least this is what I saw. I, I think he got lazy. I, I, I know he works very hard on his backhand. I know he's a left-handed hitter. Up could have been a little out and around. He's made that play a bazillion times. I see him all the time in, in early work. He'll do the the flat glove and uh, all the backhands. You see him like you know he he basically a lot of the times they say the let you let the ball play you, right. and you could tell he's stabbing at that ball. For me, if he's not lazy with his lower half, he gets in front of that ball. It's a double play. The game's over. Ross Stripling's <laughs> numbers look a little bit better because you're not taking him out of the game. I do wonder about Ross if his stuff's good enough because now he's added pitches. And when you add pitches and you have confidence because you've added pitches that you can match up against a hitter's strength because of the ads that you've made to get him out, how's he use them now? How's he used the two-seamer? How's he used the slow breaking ball? How's he used the changeup? How's he used the fastball command? Not like it's 97, 98, it's 92. Well, and you're also... It's going to be tough for him, Jeff. Well, he's in, he's in a situation now where he's just not... He's probably not going to be used that much. I, I I mean, if Ryu... Let's just... If Ryu gives you five innings, eh, which is not based on what we saw the last time, it's entirely possible. If Kikuchi's going to do this... Like all of a sudden, if you're Ross Stripling, you're going okay. This whole piggybacking thing, you know, if 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 Hyunjin Ryu is going to get you in the sixth inning, now these other guys come into play, and I, I'm with you. Uh, you know, you can never have too much pitching, and injuries eventually have a way of working. I I get all that, but if I'm Ross Stripling, I'm I'm probably sitting here thinking, man, I hope that's not like the way. That's not. What I'm, how I'm going to be used on the flip forward. side of it, though, if you're a coach, you're going. This is a perfect scenario. This means our starters are good. I can bridge oh, yeah. it to my highest leverage arms out of the pen, which makes it easier for the yeah, manager. It's the it's, pitching it's coach. Great to match for, up. It's great for everybody in except Toronto, Ross. except Ross Stripling. It's great just, for everybody in Toronto, when was, except when Ross Stripling. When I was Stripling. watching, I was thinking, can he add a couple miles an hour to his heater? Can he eliminate? <sighs> a secondary pitch that he can always throw for strikes. That's the thing. What, why it was good for me is tunneling that big slow breaking ball, which is a nice little mix. The cutter slider thing, it's more of a cutter than it is a slider. He sort of morphed those two together. He had confidence. He could throw those to a lefty away. He could backdoor it to a righty. He could do some things that way. Can he eliminate it, throw a little bit harder, and give you more of a punch right out the gate? Is he capable of doing that? Is that a lot to ask? I think it's too much to ask. And, here again, nine, nine times, you know, nine days between times you pitch when you throw 92. 
Yeah. It's not fair. I'm going to be honest with you. It's not fair, and I don't know if I expect a ton from Ross, which I, I'm a big fan of. I, I think all the things he's done, we talk about Yusei Kikuchi. Man, he buys into whatever it takes to help his team win a game. He'll buy in. If I have to change my entire windup in season from start to start, which is almost impossible, today, yeah. I'm going to do it because it's for the betterment of my team. Is this better for Ross? Is this better for your team? I don't know. That's a question they're going to have to answer, and answer it quick. Yeah. Uh, Score on, on the other hand, is we, how about that? I say that. Score. It, it <laughs> Score is remarkable. It, it is now the thing that can help Ross Stripling is if the Jays do have a lot of six nothing, seven nothing, seven one games. There's your there's your Ross Stripling. He can get in your games chances sooner. for Ross Stripling. He can Stay get in the game longer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I'm rooting for him. Bottom I'm pulling, line, I'm pulling for him. He's a good dude. Yeah, I, I, I think everybody is. He tries hard, and, and you know, as you said, I just I haven't I have an awful lot of time for guys that can make make adjustments like that in season. It's your career without getting beaten up. It's your career, and that's a lot to ask guys. Yeah, it's how you what? And you got into the majors doing something one way. It's how you're making your money now. You got to have the balls to trust your pitching coach to change everything in season. You know, and it's not like it's not like Ross Stripling's on the second year of a five year. You know, three hundred and twenty million dollar contract. He's a smart guy. I wonder what he's thinking after he left that start last night. How do I get better? How do I make myself wanted by other teams? Let's be honest here. He's not only playing for the Blue Jays because he's, you know, if this goes well and they got enough starters and they need to maybe throw in a guy to get a certain left-handed bat or whatever it takes. I'm not saying you get rid of good pitching because he's a good enough pitcher that he's going to give you a chance. But if you're not using him and you're Ross on the way home, you're thinking to yourself, how am I going to simplify this enough to be efficient, to be wanted? That's the big question. Bill Ripken is an MLB network analyst. He's one of our favorite guests. He'll join us in a few minutes. You're watching Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 360. And you can also subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, a reminder that we have Blue Jays tickets to give away in the next hour for the Sunday, May 22nd game against the Cincinnati Reds. What day does Hunter Green pitch? We, we talked about this. He pitched, he pitched uh, uh, last night, right? Or two nights Sunday. ago. To the second game. All right. It's going to be a good game. I'm looking forward to seeing him pitch. Well, you get Lu- uh, Luis Castillo, too. <laughs> you got the, the hard-throwing sinker with the Bugs Bunny changeup and then the bazillion miles an hour, and they're both right-handed. So who do you think's excited about that, Jeff? Probably not the Blue Jays hitters. Ah, uh, yeah, probably not. The Jays. Beating the Mariners 6-2 last night at the Rogers Center. Nice Monday night crowd of 28,207 with the roof open. Um, and so, therefore, if you're going to tonight's game or any game, uh, you'll have to check your social media to uh, see whether or not the roof is open at the Rogers Center. It was a little chilly last night. It was nice. But it was a Bring a blanket. Chilly. Well, I don't know about a blanket. Be that cold. But anyhow. Um 7.07 will be the first pitch tonight. Jose Barrios on the mound for the Blue Jays. Let's bring in Bill Ripken, MLB Network analyst. Billy, thanks so much for joining um, Monsieur Barker and mm. myself. We trust that you're, uh, we trust that you're, you're doing well. Um, 
Charlie Montoya was asked yesterday about his batting order, and you know he had he had changed it for a couple of days because because George Springer was hurt, and then when George came back, he left it the way it was the day he was out, and then yesterday they went back to their normal batting order, and Charlie was asked about it, and he really didn't he didn't really give an answer. And then he just kind of looked at us and said, "Really, it's about somebody getting hot." So I, I was going to ask you this. It, it's one thing when one guy isn't hitting with runners in scoring position or three guys aren't hitting in, with runners in scoring position. How do you jumpstart a lineup where nobody's hitting with runners in scoring position? Well, I think, one, you trust the fact that you got some pretty good players on your team and it's going to come around sooner or later. Now, that's easier said than done because we all want to tinker and do things. But just when I was listening to you talk about moving the lineups around, it kind of reminded me of some minor league days mm-hmm. uh, when you could certainly do this kind of stuff. Team was scuffling, and the managers would come in and with a hat with everybody's name in it and say, okay, we're pulling names out of a hat, and that's going to be the lineup. Because you really, you know, sometimes that's a, a kind of a relaxing mode in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, the times that we did that, we went out there that day and usually did pretty well. Uh, and did some things, but I'm not a big fan of moving people around. Um, I I trust the fact that these guys are pretty good. And I understand if George is out, you got to put somebody at the top spot and and try some things. But look, scuffling, scuffling. And when, when everybody's scuffling, that's kind of contagious. But when somebody does get hot, I think this team's going to be okay because they're just too good and their stats of last year and the year before say that. And I think that it'll all even out at the end. Billy, I, I know it's when, when I, you struggled, uh, is a little different. I struggled, it's a little different. But when a superstar, like, you know, we, we look at Vladimir Guerrero Jr. like a superstar offensive. When, when a guy's struggling like that, you, you, you've been on some good teams with some big names. Is it is it a different atmosphere around those guys? Because I was listening to you talk about the lineup, and I, I've been a part of that because I spent tons of time at the minor league level, and I was one <laughs> of the guys that put my hand in the hat because I got you know it's it sort of like seniority. You got to pick because you've been in the minor leagues longer than everybody else. So I've been a part of that. It's one but, of the perks of being in the minors. Uh, yeah, I don't know about perks. That's a wrong word to use. But I, I just I just wonder, you know how how the conversation could go. Cause I don't know what Blatty could change scooting closer to the plate. I just don't know if he's got it in him. He would have done it already. Like, I don't, I just, is there something that you've seen from afar that maybe we haven't seen with Blatty that if you were around him, you would say, maybe if you tried this, this might work. Well, you know, sometimes my father would say, sometimes if you were hitting the ball pretty decent, not getting knocked, he'd say, move up three inches or move back three inches, move something, you know, nothing drastic. But if you're hitting balls at people, move up three inches. It's going to change the point of contact a little bit maybe. But it's just something to kind of get the thought process out of saying, okay, where are my hands? Where is this? Where is that? Because when you do that, you forget about the most important thing, which is the baseball. Another seniorism would be when you're man on third and two outs, third base coach in box senior would yell, hey, there's no reason to look at a coach when there's man on third, two outs. Hmm because that's kind of you against the pitcher. But he would say something like, see the ball come up to home plate and hit it. And that eliminates all the thought process that goes on where you're scuffling and you're thinking about your hands, your feet, your front shoulder. Should I do this, my stride? And if you just say, see the ball and hit the ball, sometimes that corrects itself. 
And it's amazing, too, because you mentioned when we said we struggled, it was different when, than when the, you know, the superstar struggled. Yeah. I'd sit there and watch somebody that was in superstar status go 0 for 3 or 0 for 4 in a game and sit in front of his locker like his dog died. And, and I'm sitting down there in my locker going, hey, come down here and sit for a while. Um, so I'm 0 it, since it, Sunday, right? <laughs> I've had yeah, a week of 0-1st. Kind of, it's kind of comical when you see that, but it is unbelievable how the psyche of the, the athlete, the professional baseball player, and it, it affects the big dogs. Mm-hmm. And they they should know because the reason why they're so good is their confidence is beaming because they know they're good. Borderline like ego um, is 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 coming into play and cocky. But it's it's amazing when I saw some of the guys that I played with scuffle and it was like the end of the world was coming. And I'm sitting down there going, I'm fighting for my job every single day. Come down here and sit and see how it feels. <laughs> okay, Billy, you know, every time you come on here, I, I have to talk about defense. And there's, a, you know, sometimes when you come on here, it's a lot about the one guy that plays shortstop for the Blue Jays and Bo Bichette. And the, the one thing that I want to ask you about him is we see him a lot making plays on the run. Now, sometimes that's warranted. Like, you know, occasionally you got to catch a backhand in a hole. You got to continue to move. Your, your momentum's going towards the third base bag, and your target to where you're starting your throw from has to be really good. But it just seems like now he's falling in love with it. Like, it's, he can't wait to do it instead of coming up like most humans, setting your feet, following your throw, like I hear you talk about all the time, which makes total sense. That momentum, that finish towards your throw. You know, your throw will go where your momentum tells it to go. And I just want to ask you, when it comes to making all those running catches and running throws, what's the most important part of that? Well, I I think what's funny when you talk about this is because, first of all, guys can do it because they're talented enough to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I hear you when you're trying to create everything because every now and then, I watch a Cardinal game and I watch Nolan Arenado throw on the run when he doesn't necessarily have to do it. And for the most part, everything's right on the money to Paul Goldschmidt over there at first base. But every now and then, one of them will get away. And he's talented enough to do it. I've seen him do it. I would still not prefer to teach it. What I would prefer to teach and and talk to guys about is let's get consistent on every one you do it. And I don't want to get consistent in a way where I'm doing it all the time. I want to do it on the ones that I absolutely have to do it. And it goes back again to to a seniorism. If you treat every out like it was the last out of the game or the last out of a seven-game series, because we know the importance factor on that, I'd be interested to see if that same ground ball was hit in a five-game series in the playoffs, game five, with two outs and a man on third base, which is the tying run, if that play's made on the run or if that play's made with a plant and a change of direction towards first base, throw it and follow it. Because if it's done with a plant, throw it and follow it, that's the way the play should be made all the time because that's when the out's most important. So I think we have to watch this go through and see how outs at at, at different stages of the game are recorded. Um, It may be that I'm on the run kind of guy, and Mm -hmm. that's the way it's going to be played. But for the most part, I'd like to set my feet a little bit more get my direction going to first base. When I use the throw it and follow it, 
I always talk about Derek Jeter. Yes. If you remember looking at Derek Jeter when he threw a ball across the diamond with nobody on to Tino Martinez, they threw it around after the infield or after the out was recorded. Derek Jeter would get the ball back. He's standing in the infield grass behind the pitcher's mound. And I think that was just his way. Now, he had his jump throw in his game, and he did some things that you know were athletic. But for the most part, Derek Jeter set his feet – set his feet, moved across the diamond, threw it, and followed it as well as anybody. Yeah, it's interesting hearing you say that because, of course, as Derek's career went on, more and more it kind of became a cottage industry to try to pick holes in his defense. And, you know, he got older and his defense changed. But, you know, you were talking about, about senior. I remember having a conversation with Don Zimmer in the postseason one year, and it was in, in a group setting, and, and he was talking about Jeter and how – you know, he said, I've never seen anybody make a play on that bouncing ball behind the mound the way Jeter does it. But his point was always that Jeter is was eventually going to get criticized because he said, Derek, so much of what Derek does is textbook that it's not dramatic. And as a result of that, there are plays, quite frankly, he's not he's not going to be able to make. And and. But it was interesting hearing him talk about about Jeter defensively and then hearing that. And part of me, the reason I mentioned this, Bill, is I wonder, you know, we know the Jays, there's a lot of talk and a lot of teams use clocks now in the field to get guys thinking fast. And we talk about the internal clock and all that. Sometimes I wonder if maybe young shortstops in particular, like they're thinking about the clock all the time and not every runner is created equal. You know, you do have a little bit of time to set your feet and throw with a certain guy. I'm not saying you're going to do it with everybody. And I just wonder if you see that. Could that be a product of maybe too much emphasis on internal clock, internal clock, internal clock? Well, I think in some regards, a lot of the defensive infielders play deeper than back in the day. Right. And I think they're trying to defend against the rocket. And that's another case of, you know, conversation about the overshift, because if I got pitchers that don't get barreled up, I'm going to put two guys on each side of the infield in lawn chairs and let them catch the ball and throw the ball across the diamond. If there's a couple shortstops I'd also like to talk about was David Eckstein, right? What did he throw the ball across the diamond at? 80 miles an hour, maybe? Yeah. Um, he probably played two feet, three feet shorter than probably every shortstop in the game. Last I checked when the Cardinals won the World Series, David Eckstein's got a World Series MVP trophy mm-hmm. on his mantle. Mm-hmm. And every ground ball that was hit to him, Tony La Russa wasn't in the dugout going, ah, like that. <laughs> and David Eckstein would catch it and throw this four-finger changeup across the diamond, <laughs> and the outs recorded. Yeah. Um, one other conversation about a shortstop, I'll go back to my brother's days, because Junior had that three-quarter flip from down, down under, if you will. Mm-hmm. He also played a full season in the big leagues, and I'm pretty sure he played 162 games that year because yeah. he did every year. Right. He made three errors at shortstop. But I remember I was in my instructional league days in the minor leagues, and I was getting ready to go down to St. Petersburg. Detroit Tigers came to town in Old Memorial Stadium, and I'm going to go to the game that night um, before I went on the road. And Junior said, hey um, – I know you're going to sit up in the right field stands in Memorial Stadium with the beer drinkers and have a good time. Just do me a favor and watch Alan Trammell play the position of short for a couple innings. Don't watch me because I don't want to teach you this three-quarter flip. That kind of came over time. Mm -hmm. 
But he talked about Alan Trammell because if you remember him, his feet were always underneath him. Yep. And his throw was always pure to chest high to the first baseman with unbelievable carry. So I, I think the shortstop position, when we, when we claim that everybody's more athletic than back in the day, maybe so. But there's something to be said for boring. There's something to be said for the routine play mm-hmm. that is the out is recorded all the time. Because if you get the outs you're supposed to get, most of the time you win those games. When the ball's rolling around the field and somebody's got to reach down and pick it up, you don't win those games. And to me, I, I, I know I'm oversimplifying it, but if you take care of the baseball and the majority of the plays still, no matter if you're in the overshift or not, are of the mundane variety. Balls are hit pretty much three feet to the right or three feet to the left of somebody. They catch it and they throw it. The better you do that, the more chance you have to win. Bailey, there's a couple of guys in, in, that play for the Yankees and in, in Judge and in, in Carlos Stanton, and I was thinking about unicorns, and I was thinking about that guy in Anaheim, what he does on both sides of the ball as a pitcher and as a hitter, and I start thinking about the two giants that play for the Yankees, and I'm wondering to myself if we actually give those two guys enough credit because if you notice, there's not too many 6'7 humans that could go to another 6'7 human and go, hey, why am I not hitting this baseball? Why am I not getting on top of this baseball? Because nobody can relate to that. They're not 6'7". Do you think we give those two guys enough credit? Probably not. No. And even when you look at their numbers over the last, what, three weeks, I mean, Judge is hitting like 320 Mm -hmm. with 11 bombs and 20 games and like 25 ribbies. And Stanton was hitting 370 with eight bombs and 23 ribbies. And it is amazing. And I love your term right there with the unicorn because when we see something like that, we either go overboard, overboard, and and, and praise it like unbelievable, or we kind of just kind of sweep it a little bit. And I think maybe, just maybe, the Judge Stanton thing gets swept a little bit. Um, A lot of criticism. They play in New York. Uh, We know they're streaky. And we know they can go up to home plate and swing a miss three times and walk back to the dugout. And I think sometimes we want to embed that in our brain more than the fact that these guys go out there and play at an unbelievable size and move around pretty good. And when they're right, they're as dangerous as anybody in the game. So maybe we do kind of gloss over a little bit of it and not talk about that. But they are, you know, every bit of the Dave Winfield of the world that we used to watch mm-hmm. um, because the talent is immense. They move well. They run well. They throw well. They do everything well on a baseball field. Sometimes they get into a little bit of rut and swinging and missing too much. But I think I could live with that when they put up the numbers that they're capable of doing. Bill, last last question from us. Uh, we have not talked a lot about the Baltimore Orioles this year. The Jays haven't seen them yet. At some point, I presume they will meet them on uh, on the schedule. But look, this is a team that took two of three from the Cardinals, and then they were swept by the Tigers. Everybody's talking about Adley Adley Rushman. What are the Orioles right now? Like where 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 are they in their you know their path back to contention? Well, I think they're doing some things in the minor leagues. They've got a highly rated minor league system. Now, that doesn't put wins on the table at the big league level, but it could mean the future's got some brightness to it. The thing that I thought of was pretty neat when I looked at this four-game set coming up with the Yankees is 
I scrolled to the next day, scrolled to the next day, scrolled to the next day. I can't remember the time there was a four-game set coming into uh, Baltimore, and I could look ahead at the four games and actually see a pitcher's name listed instead of TBD. Hmm. And I think that's a good sign because it's been a long time since they've actually listed a guy three days or four days out. Um, so I, I like some of the young arms. They still got some young arms in the minor leagues that uh, are knocking. The Adley Rushman thing, from what I hear, I've really not locked in on him at any point in time, but I've trusted the uh, or I've trusted some of the baseball people I talked to saying, yeah, he's real. Uh, big league catcher, switch hitter can hit. So you, you've got all those things in the making. There's, there's a couple guys that have come up. Mountcastle swung the bat pretty well. He's on the shelf right now. Hayes is, is proving that he might be able to be a part of this thing moving forward. So they've got some pieces that they're putting together. But um, it's, it's going to be about the arms that they put on the bump. And I, I'm pretty encouraged about what I've seen. Bradish had a little bit of a hiccup last night against the Yankees. But before that, he punched out 11 and 7 innings against the Cards when they did win two out of three. So they got some guys that throw the ball pretty well. The bullpen seems to have pieces. So I'm encouraged that the future might be a little bit brighter than what we've seen in these past few years. Bill, really good of you to join us. Thanks so much, man. Thank you. Great stuff. All right, boys. I appreciate you. Take care. That's Bill Ripken of MLB Ooh. Network. Well, if you never if you never went on YouTube or, or never watched him break down the way you are supposed to play defense. There, there's just certain guys that know how to relate to other people when it comes to simplifying things. You, you can run all over the place and tell guys to put and tell people to put glove here and your foot's got to go here, which is what Billy does. But it's just so simple the way he explains it that a lot of people can relate to that and, and understand that, which is a big deal when you're trying to teach young people how to figure out how to catch a ball and throw the ball to where hey. they want it to go. It sounds simple, but it's not always simple. And, you know, it's a funny thing about baseball. Mm. It's the same in every sport, but, you know, baseball, we spend a lot of time talking about don't get carried away with velocity. It's not everything. And then we treat it like it's everything. We talk about shortstops. Hey, just make the routine play. The spectacular play will take care of itself. And then we end up criticizing a guy because, hey, you know, look at the play last night where he's trying to throw in the run. It's like we want... It, our expectations of players between games are different than when the game starts, which I, which I think is, is normal. But I mean, Jeter has always been an interesting thing for me because as I said, as he got older, his defense deteriorated. The dude basically played an extra season of postseason baseball. Yeah. You know, there are athletes, guy, Jonathan, uh, uh, Jonathan Taze of the Chicago Blackhawks. Basically played an extra season because he's on a team that was really good and went in deep runs, and it's the same thing with Cheater. But there were there were there were plays where you could watch Cheater. I it was just very deliberate, very almost conservative the way he made the way he made plays as he got older. And a lot of people I think started looking, you know, well, look, his range has decreased and all this. But I when he was Younger, at the height of his powers with those teams, you know, I, I, again, Jeter making the play in the ball behind behind the mound was that uh, was it was money, and people need to look at Jeter's career. And when Jeter started out, he's a guy that was making fifty errors in the minors, 
And we talked about how at one point, a lot of Yankee scouts wanted him to move to the outfield because mm-hmm. they, they just didn't think he could play short. I just think sometimes, I guess the long way of saying it, I think shortstop is a more complicated position than we make it now because we also expect our shortstops to be offensive players. Defensive first shortstop, that's great, but not good enough in the game anymore. You need a shortstop who can tr- contribute offensively as well. Yeah, for me, I, I relate that, turn that back around to Bo. I, you know, I, fans that I've talked to about Bo, I really do think all they want is they want to be able to go to the refrigerator and hear Dan Showman call a ground ball to short. And because it's so boring and routine yeah. that you know 99.99999% of the time, See, I don't, Bo's going to catch it and throw it but and I don't follow get his that, throw and do all those little things. I don't get that. I don't get that sense of, I don't know, sense of dread is too much. I just assume he's going to make the play. Dread's a strong word. I, I just assume he's going to make the play. I maybe I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I just like watching Bo play, and I you know I so do I, I so do I. But there has to be to Billy's point a little bit of that boring to a defensive position, yeah. and the more boring you are means you're most of the time, if not all the time, in the right position that puts you in that. You're capable now of everything is in front of me, and I'm not always moving around. Now I understand the shift. And I was going to say, I don't even know what the right. The, I'll tell you the truth. I don't even know what the right position is because of the shift. Sometimes, maybe you know, like if a, if a guy's in the shift and makes a play, and and we're going, oh my god, that was, it was a great play. Well, was it a great play because you know what I'm saying? Because he was in the shift, or uh, you know, did did he have to rush a throw? We're going, oh my god, he had plenty of time. Well, I. I don't know because I think you have to kind of adjust the way you view guys because they are playing so much. Don't adjust too much because the change is a coming. And now we're going to find out how smart these teams are, how athletic these position players are. We're going to find out who can do it, who can't. There's going to be no disguising defensive defensive weaknesses anymore anymore when they get rid of the shift. You can't hide a guy's backhand anymore when there's no shift. No. Good discussion. Love oh, having I love Bill Billy. Ripken. Man, I love it. We've got a pair of tickets to give away for Sunday against the Cincinnati Reds. We have Mike Blowers. He is the Seattle Mariners TV analyst. And we've got Barker's back leg bits. You can DM me for those. My Twitter handle is SN Jeff Blair. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 360. Back on 590 as well tomorrow and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.